بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی اللہ رسول الحمد للہ is the 2nd of June in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 40th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu. And I spent quite a few sessions taking a glimpse into his awesome worship. And the last thing I mentioned was another endless feather in the cap of this noble man in which Allah the Almighty and Glorious describes him as kirama, i.e. dignified. And the reason for this being is that he passed by a gathering in which people were talking love, i.e. futile. And the Prophet heard of this and he recited Surah 25 verse 72. And also in the Quran, like I mentioned, it mentions those who do not witness Azul. And Azul, as mentioned by the authorities, which I mentioned yesterday, is Ghina. And Ghina is to repeat words with the rhythm, even without music. And this is something which is prohibited. And then I mentioned that in Surah Luqman, Allah Ta'ala mentions those who buy lahw al-hadith, idle speech. And no other than Ibn Masood said, it is ghina by the one and only God. So now I just add a few things to this before moving on. Abdullah Ibn Masood, he also said, radiyallah, singing makes hypocrisy sprout in the heart, just as water makes a plant sprout. Astaghfirullah. This is recorded in Behaki in his Sunan, volume 10, page 223. And Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Sahih in Tahrib Alat At-Tarb, page 10. So here Ibn Masood was explaining why this is prohibited. Somebody goes, what's wrong with you know singing? You know, it's harmless. And the response is, if it was harmless, why is it prohibited? So the great Ibn Masood in the Sahih Hadith in Behaki, it says, it turns you into a munafiq. <laughs> And the monarchs are the worst of the worst, the lowest of the law. It makes hypocrisy sprout in the heart. And how does it do it? Just like water makes plants sprout. So it doesn't happen straight away. People say it, doesn't affect, it hasn't affected me. When you put water onto a seed which is in the ground, you don't see anything. But you know the water is feeding it. And that's how we look at singing. It feeds hypocrisy. Uh, Ibn Masood's student, Imam Sha'abi, he added to the statement, Verily, the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes Iman grow in the heart just as water makes a plant grow. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Nasr al-Maruzi in his Qadr al-Salah, number 691, of volume 2, page 636. And Shaykh al-Bani stated Sahih in his Tahrib Alat al-Tar, page 13. So Imam Sha'abi said, when you do dhikr, it has the impact of growing iman, just like water makes a plant grow. So note the complete opposites. <laughs> Music, singing, and dhikr are complete opposites. One makes your iman grow, and the other makes you into a monafik. Astaghfirullah. Hafiz ibn Qayyim, 
he added to this rahmatullah in his ighathat al-lahfan min maqaid ash-shaytan volume 1 page 277 to 8 do see what happens to that man who initially has the signs of dignity the beauty of intellect the radiance of iman the dignity of islam and the beauty of the quran then after he becomes interested in music and starts listening to it his intellect and haya decrease his dignity goes away his beauty and radiance abandon him his shaitan becomes proud of him his iman complains to allah the most high and his quran becomes heavy upon him so now if you look at how he's speaking you can tell he's a he's a sheikh of the heart mm-hmm. and he's explaining he goes just look even if you didn't know these texts what do you notice what happens to a muslim who gets attached to music <laughs> don't you see he goes the nood starts diminishing he goes his haya seems to decrease <laughs> and all of these are negative signs what's happening he's turning into a munafik which ibn masud was explaining that the and quran becomes heavy what should be good for him becomes heavy upon him astaghfirullah the honorable hafiz ibn taymiyah rahmatullah alayh, had also most informatively said in his iktida al siratul mustaqim page 144 of the new english translation you will find that the one who frequently listens to qasaid ay poetry in order to rectify his heart then his desire to listen to the quran will decrease to the extent a'udhu billah that he may even begin to dislike it so stop in the quote so hafiz ibn taymiyah also a master of the heart he said whoever frequently meaning you can do it occasionally is no harm if you frequently listen to qasaid qasaid is poetry and you're doing it with the strange intention that this is beneficial for your heart he goes you will notice that the desire to listen to the quran decreases and isn't that true mm-hmm. you know people you know whatever you want to call it not whatever you want to call it the same people can they listen to the same amount of quran no <laughs> so what's happening when they me is telling you to the extent a'udhu billah he may even begin to dislike the quran mm-hmm. then he said similarly the one who frequently travels to mushahid i venerated shrines then his heart will be void of love and glorification for the hajj journey to the house ay the kaaba okay interesting people they doing ziyarats where you going i'm going to so and so sheikh so and so sheikh are these same people have they got a yearning to go to the house of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not interested <laughs> what happened he goes allah the last tear in their heart mm. then ibn taymiyah rahmatullah alayhi said likewise the one who constantly seeks wisdom and ethics from the persian and roman philosophers his heart will then not hold the required reverence for islamic wisdom mm. look at these profound statements ibn taymiyah is making rahmatullah alayhi so he said constantly meaning if you look into it every now and again inshallah you should be okay but try to avoid it but if you constantly start looking into philosophy what happens you will lose veneration for 
the uh, Islamic wisdom. And you only have to see the state of the some of the so-called scholars now <laughs> who got into that. <laughs> Why on earth are they going into u- universities to get a PhD in Islam <laughs> when you know what they're going to do? <laughs> so Ibn Taymiyyah over half a century ago, he said you lose veneration. They'll start talking like that. They'll start saying Islam needs to be modernized. These same people who studied eight, ten years in Islamic institutions. Why are they talking like that now? Because they've gone to the philosophers and they'll lose veneration, Ibn Taymiyyah says. Then he said, and the one who constantly reads the stories of kings, then the narratives of the prophets, والسلام, will not hold any worth with him. For this reason, Rasulullah said, وسلم, a people never innovate an innovation except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove from them the like thereof of the sunnah. Subhanallah. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 16,970. It is sahih as the saying of Hassan ibn Atiyah, recorded by Darimi in his Sunan, 1-58, Mishkat and others. So eventually Ibn Taymiyyah gives the proof. <laughs> because why? You need proof. All of what he said was his commentary on this hadith. Look how interesting. Definitely from the Salaf, from the Prophet, he has a weakness. The hadith says, A people never innovate an innovation except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove from them the like of the sunnah. So what's happening? You're losing veneration. So Ibn Taymiyyah said, this is what he's talking about. So to reiterate, there is nothing wrong with listening to lawful poetry. In fact, the companions, when the Surah Ash-Shu'ara was revealed, and they were worried, but then the Prophet wasallam, he said, let me listen to your poetry. And when they say, well, that's fine. <coughs> it's to do with the content of the poetry. There is nothing wrong with listening to lawful poetry, visiting the righteous deceased and their stations, seeking additional knowledge from philosophers and learning about the narratives of kings. But just as long as the sacred revelation and the knowledge of the Salaf is prioritized. Mm-hmm. So somebody says to you, I love to listen to Nats. You can very politely ask him, also you must be reciting a lot of the Quran or listening to a lot of the Quran. And if he turns around, he goes, why are you asking me that question for? Because well, you love Nats. Because what's Nats going to do with Quran? Because you will lose veneration. And how many people listen to a lot of Nats and listen to a lot of the Quran? Show me these people. They'll mention the, the ones, the Nath Khan. And yet when you ask them about who the people who recite the Quran haven't got a clue. People who travel the world going to the righteous stations, do they, do they do Hajj and Umrah with such zeal? They lost veneration. And again and again, Ibn Taymiyyah is explaining, Rahmatullah But as one learned put it, do we really have time in our short lives, particularly with the lack of blessings we are experiencing even more so in today's day and age, to acquire the knowledge of anything but the divine revelation and the knowledge of the Son? Think about it. Those people in the past, they were drenched in Quran and Sunnah. 
So you could excuse, you think, MashaAllah, look, you know, Ibn Taymiyyah, Hafiz Ibn Qayyim, MashaAllah, you know, get to their level, then knock yourself out with them. Wasting your time on useless things. <laughs> think about it. You're not prioritizing. Look what, you know, how we met, you know, we're going through the life of Ibn Masood, and one thing we notice, he prioritized. And when it comes to revelation, he didn't put that, anything else on par with that. How true, therefore, were the words of Hafiz ibn Qayyim, rahmatullahi in his Tuhfatul Maudud, Bi'ahqam al-Mawlud, the newborn baby guide, page 313 of the New English Translation, quoting, these people, and who is he referring to? Those who focused on other than divine revelation, these people did not have a share of the knowledge that the messengers, alayhi salatu wasalam, brought. On the contrary, they were just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he recited Surah Ghafil, Surah 40, verse 83. And when their messengers came to them with clear proofs, they merely rejoiced in what they had of knowledge. <laughs> so here Hafiz ibn Qayyim is mentioning, you know, mashallah, you know, he's well versed in the glorious revelation. He goes, the people who do not focus on revelation, what do you notice about them? And it's 100% true. They don't have a share of the knowledge of the prophets. <coughs> you know, what do they know about revelation? And then he says, on the contrary, that's not all. So they've got very little knowledge of the Quran and Sunnah. That's not all. He goes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he quotes, when their messengers came to them with clear proofs, revelation, mm. they rejoiced in what they had of knowledge. So what are they boasting about? They're boasting about their philosophy. <laughs> They're boasting about, I know what's right and wrong. <laughs> and that is again a sign of the inverted heart. Astaghfirullah. As the Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab beautifully said, if you do not live for what you believe, then you will believe in how you live. <laughs> if you do not live for what you believe, you will believe in how you live. Look at these profound statements from the students of the Prophet. So if you don't live for what you believe, what happens? You will then try to justify how you live, like Muslims are doing. <laughs> What's wrong with the what's wrong? You know, what's wrong with LGBT? You know, you gotta you know you gotta modernize, you gotta interact, the world's moved on. You are now believing in how you live. Why you why you are in that state, Sayyidina Umar said, because you are not living for what you believe. If you do not stand for anything, you will fall for anything. If you do not stand for something, you will fall for anything. I think that's another saying. So to reiterate. The bulk, if not most of our efforts in acquiring knowledge, should be from the divine revelation alone. So think about that. You should be constantly thinking, I need to understand, connect to what Allah Ta'ala has said and His beloved messenger and the glorious Salaf. Mm. How beautifully did our beloved messenger Sallallahu elaborate upon such blessed people about whom he said, Behold, 
many are those who appear to be humiliating themselves i by suppressing their desires but are actually being generous to themselves i for they are inevitably heading towards paradise subhanallah this is in ibn abi dunya khatib ibn manda al isaba volume 2 page 486 tarhib volume 3 page 422 ayat sahaba volume 1 page 523 to 4 of the new english translation So here, simply, what was our beloved messenger saying? He goes, there will be many who appear to humiliate themselves. Now, the key word is appear. They're not humiliating themselves. But people without knowledge will think they're humiliating themselves. So who's the Prophet talking about there? He's talking about those who are controlling their desires. And isn't it true? You see a person going to the masjid. Why is he going to masjid all the time? Hasn't he got any desires? Doesn't he want to hang and chill out? Doesn't he want to go, you know, with the lads? So what did the Prophet Islam say? Many are those who appear to be humiliating themselves. But then what did he say? But they are actually being generous to themselves. Why? Because they know. That's why when you go through the Sahaba, one of the strange reactions many Muslims have, they have pity. Now think about it. Will the Sahaba need your pity? You know, anybody's going to pity anybody. is them pitying you. Why do you feel pity for them? Because you've got that illness. You're thinking, you know, they're, look at the, how they're humiliating. They're not humiliating themselves. You're fruit cake. They're the teachers. You've gone off track. They're the ones. They're being very generous to themselves. So note again here, the great Ibn Mas'ud was living that example. We ask our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala, to also graciously enlist us upon such a most treasured and fortunate group. Amen. So after spending quite a few sessions taking a glimpse into his worship, you can now move on to another aspect of his blessed life. Entitled, His Humility and Fear of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Blessed with such immense knowledge and deeds, one thus now would not find it surprising to learn that the humility and taqwa of this most blessed man was also astronomical. In Abu Na'im al-Hiliyah, number 264, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 206-7 of the New English Translation, Amr ibn Masruq, rahmatullah alayhi, he said, Someone mentioned in the presence of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, I do not want to be amongst the Ashab al-Yameen. But I wish to be amongst the Muqarrabeen. So stopping the report. So what was this man saying? In layman terms. He goes, I don't want to be amongst the, the ones who have been honored. The companions of the right. But I want to be amongst those who are the most nearest and dearest. The elite. To this Abdullah ibn Mas'ud remarked, However, you have here a person who wishes not to even be resurrected after dying. So imagine, just picture that person's, you know, how do you think his face, his expression was when he heard that from Ibn Masood? Imagine you heard both those statements. So you got Ibn Masood guaranteed for those. And he said, if he was up to me, I don't want to be resurrected. I just want to die. 
So you would think he must have committed some mountainous sins. Then you probably give him a few wikes. Don't be stupid. Why has he made that statement? Then you go to the other person. What does he say? I don't want to be amongst the right. The right. I want to be amongst the elite. So Ibn Masood goes, I don't want to resurrect. So what was the difference between a Sahaba and a Tabi? Heavens and earth. Literally, heavens and earth. This is very similar to the narrative of Amir al-Mu'mineen of Man ibn Affan, about whom Abdullah ibn Rumi said, the news reached me that Sayyidina Uthman had said, if I were between paradise and hell, not knowing into which of the two I will be ordered to go, I would then rather prefer to be turned to ash before knowing towards which of them I would be heading. This is in Abu Nu'aym al-Hilya, number 126, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 206 of the New English Translation. Ahmed in his Zuhud, Kanzul Umar, volume 5, page 10, relates similar. So again, a person goes, what? So Amir al-Mu'mideen, Sayyidina Uthman, he's the third greatest companion. The Prophet said in one hadith, he's standing on one side of the scales, my entire ummah on the other, he's heavier. He married two daughters of the Prophet he's the neighbor of the Prophet in paradise, his virtues go on endless. He's saying, I'm between paradise and hell. If it was up to me, I would rather turn to ash before the command comes. So now what do you notice about the the elite followers. Their taqwa is somewhere else. We can't register what they're saying. On another occasion, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, if I were placed between paradise and hell, and then told, choose between either entering one of these or becoming dust, I would rather turn to dust. This is in Abu Nu'aym al-Hiliya, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 207 of the New English Translation. So simply put, Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Uthman, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, they would both rather be turned to dust than for our loving Lord to open their accounts. So what did they think of their deeds? They thought their deeds are worthless. What do we think of our deeds? Astaghfirullah. <laughs> you know, we actually think, brother, what do you think? How many of, these, have you, how many of your deeds been accepted? Because at least 50%. <laughs> Don't even hesitate. <laughs> he goes, Did he, he goes, brother, just think about that. He goes, oh, no, sorry, I should, yeah. Uh, no, 40%. Have another think. Which one would say, I'll be lucky if something's been accepted. And then you think, oh, brother, that's now you're showing that fake humility. We might be showing it. Sahaba, they're thinking that. We don't want to get resurrected. We want to turn to dust. There is a way to explain this. In Tabarari, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 76, stated Sahih, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 398 of the New English Translation. When someone mentioned to Hassan al-Basri, the actions of Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Umar before his death, and his fear of Allah, he explained. So before moving on, what was the question? So somebody asked Hassan al-Basri, is it true that Umar radiyallahu, he said, I would give the whole world full of gold to escape now from what I'm about to face to the latest meeting. And Hassan al-Basri said, yes, he did say that. 
The man then said, why is he saying that? Hassan al-Basri rahmatullah said, such indeed is a true believer. He carries out good deeds in the proper manner, together with having the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But on the other hand, the hypocrite, he combines sins with the false hope of being forgiven. I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in times past and present, I have never seen a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who excels in doing good deeds without excelling also in taqwa. And subhanallah, in times past and present, I have also not seen any person excel in sin without also excelling in the false hope of being forgiven. So Hassan al-Basri, another master of the heart, he's explaining. What he said it boiled down to was simply this. If you excel in pure deeds, your taqwa increases. So if I was to say to you, was Ibn Mas'ud a pure man? 100%. Revelation says it. How many good deeds did he do through his worship? Brother, don't ask stupid questions. So, okay. So let's apply that. What's now accelerating? His taqwa, according to Hassan al-Basri. His taqwa is going on par with his deeds and purity. So he's reaching the heavens. What manifests when a person's taqwa is in the heavens? Those statements. I wish I was just, I wish I wasn't brought back to life because they're in the heavens. But what's more applicable to us is the other part, which is sad. You increase in sin, something else starts accelerating. <laughs> Your excel that Allah is going to forgive you. So who are the most, who are the people, let's put it bluntly, which Muslims are the ones who are certain they're going to get forgiven? And this is the answer. The biggest shaitans amongst them. So a person goes, what, is that a bad thing? I can be confused with that. He goes, no, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just a stupid state. Why is it a stupid state? Because they've excelled. They're excelling in the false hope of being forgiven. Isn't that true? You go to a, you know, any crackpot who's literally on the last tell of his iman, what does he say? Allah's forgiving and merciful. They pull it out straight away. And then you go, yeah, but I'm supposed to be doing something. <laughs> he goes, no, brother, but God's, you know, he's forgiving great people, great sinners, great sinners. He goes, well, that's true. And he goes, what's he going to do with you? He goes, I'm not as simple as them. And he goes, listen, you know, there's that problem. <laughs> Thus it was due to their astronomical deeds which supercharged their taqwa. Mm. Whilst many of us sadly in contrast excel in sin, the supercharging our faults and vain hopes of being forgiven. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives. Mm. So note, when you look now, we're looking at his, his humility and his taqwa and you realize it has to manifest. Mm. Now what's strange is they were tabi'een around him and obviously they were great people but their taqwa though it was in the heavens <laughs> it wasn't in the heavens of Ibn Masood <laughs> I wish I was amongst the Muqarribun and Ibn Masood goes and he wasn't belittling it he said I don't want to be resurrected <laughs> imagine tabi'een put his head down thinking what did I just say astaghfirullah <laughs> and where do we sit in the imagine we, I'm narrating it where, where are we in the picture <laughs> well I'm guaranteed me right? guaranteed what brother <laughs> Guaranteed the uh, preserves. So all I mentioned today was basically a few other reports with regards to 
the danger of music and singing. It sprouts hypocrisy in the heart. Allah, the Lord preserves. And then he mentioned, I mentioned, sorry, that some of the great scholars, they mentioned the dangers of frequently getting involved in permissible things such as kasa'id, mashahid, seeking wisdom from philosophy, etc. That also has a very detrimental effect upon your iman. So we must uh, prioritize the divine revelation. And then of course, now I'm starting the subsection with regards to the immense humility and fear of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala masood. And again, notice, it was manifesting just as the scholars pointed out. Are there any questions you'll ask?